If you're just joining us this morning, we have just started our fall series, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Breaking Bad. And um, it, it, this, this message is given by Jesus, and it's the greatest sermon ever preached. And a lot of church people know it, and they understand it. And it's so famous and powerful that we can hardly overstate the influence of this message that Jesus gave, not only to the people at that time, but to every generation hence. And so even St. Augustine described it as a perfect standard for Christian life. A perfect standard for Christian life. There isn't a preacher worth his salt that hasn't preached or presented this sermon of Jesus to those he's leading towards becoming more like Christ. Now, I've preached these three chapters that we're going to be looking at over the next number of months. I've preached them a number of times already, and I will continue to preach these uh, chapters until I die for the rest of my life because I think they're that important. This time around, the series is called Breaking Bad. And the reason for that title is that no matter how good you think you are or how much you've progressed in your relationship with Jesus, whether you are a Christ follower for 25 years or you are a Christ follower one year 25 times, you will recognize that as you go through this passage, as you start to read through it, as you start to understand it, that there is so much more that you don't know about God. There is so much that you have missed. You have become kind of like almost isolated because what Jesus teaches is so profound that it absolutely changes and transforms the lives, not just of an individual, not just of a family, but of an entire community and an entire nation. And so when we step up and we start to look at what this looks like and, and start to get into it and learn from Jesus what he has for us, we need to make sure that we are in context with it. And so what I want to do at this time is I'm just going to read um, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for you are, your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I want you to know something. In this church, like a lot of other churches, we are not a museum for the saints. We are a hospital for sinners. This is a place for messy people. This is for screw-ups and mess-ups, for people who have serious flaws, for people who have real-time character defects. We're looking at Jesus' good news for people like that. Now, here's a funny thing that happened a few years ago, maybe three years ago. There was a group of ladies who were gathering together at a local coffee shop here in town, 
and having a Bible study from various churches around town. And after their Bible study one day, as they were enjoying their coffee, one of the ladies asked the rest of the group, what do you like about your church and what's your church like? What does it look like to participate in your church? And most of them expressed the desire for fellowship, the, ab- the ability to connect with a few families that have the same values that they have, um, and you know, to attend a church and church events where they knew families would be safe. The gal from our church said, what do you mean a safe place? And they said, well, we don't want to be like Wind River Community Church. That church is a mess. They have a bunch of divorced people. They have people who have been in the psych ward and are medicated for depression. They have recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. They even have to have a special ministry for men who have been hooked on pornography. Not only that, but they also have gays, lesbians, and transgenders that they let attend their church. It just isn't a safe place for our kids, and I would never go there. The gal from our church asked, well, isn't that what church is for? And the other women said, no, no, uh-uh. church is to be a place where people are normal, and they, have, they don't have problems like that. It has to be a safe place where we can come and we can learn and we can fellowship with each other without worrying about those kinds of people messing things up. So, according to some people, we are the messy church in town. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Hi, I'm a mess. Welcome to Wind River Community Church. That's a true story. I am not making that up. So according to those women, and by the way, not everybody that attends other churches in this community think we're that messed up, and they do think that we have a great ministry going to the people in, in our community. So I'm just saying there's just a few. Don't, let, don't think that everybody out there thinks we're nut jobs, although we are. Um, but so if, if we were to rewrite a portion of Matthew 4 according to the way that these ladies actually think, it would have been something like this. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news to, of the kingdom. And the smart people came to him, and the beautiful people, and the rich people, and the people with thick hair. And he said to them, Blessed are you, you smart, pretty, rich, well-groomed people, for yours is the kingdom of God. But the truth is, this is what Jesus actually happened in that passage in chapter 4. He went through throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him, it brought him all the sick, all those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and from the Decapolis from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Now, the whole thing that we see right there is kind of what I, is what I talked about last week is that because of Jesus, up there came down here. 
up there came down here. And the kind of people that he was ministering to sounds like the kind of people that attend this church, does it not? Hallelujah. So, you know, we are kind of messed up people. But if you think about the election that took place last time, we were described as a basket of deplorables. Aren't you glad you're in this basket? And that's exactly who Jesus was doing ministry with. Now we're going to pick up Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. You see that? He saw the crowd. And and so who's in the crowd? I'll tell you who's in the crowd. Needy people, poor people, hurting people, people who don't smell good, people who don't behave well. Demonics are usually not noted for their good behavior. In these crowds, people are having grand mal seizures. Lepers are there whom nobody will touch. People who drink too much. People who can't hold a job. People who can't fix their lives. People who have no money for medicine. People who are on the edge. In short, it's people who have no hope. And Jesus came along and he says, I've got good news for you. So how do you tell a group of diverse people who are so messed up what the good news is? Well, the good news that Jesus will bring is heaven has come down here because of up there coming down here. We now have the ability at any time to take down here up there. That's the good news for us. At a moment's notice, whatever's happening right here, we take to the throne room of God. So down here goes up there. Up there came down here, so down here could go up there. And that's the news that Jesus gives. But in order for us right now to grasp the depth, the significance of Jesus' good news up there coming down here, we need to understand and know clearly the word that will set the stage for our next few weeks together as we sit at Jesus' feet and we learn from him. That word, the popular understanding of it, of blessed, is a lot of people think of it as happy or being made happy. But happiness is a subjective state, a feeling. Jesus is not declaring how people feel, but rather he's making an objective statement about what God thinks of them. Now, here's what it is. Write this down. If you're going to write something down, here's blessed. Blessed is a positive judgment by God on the individual that means to be approved or find approval. So, when God blesses us, He approves us. We have taken the word blessed, and we have often made a cliche out of it. When somebody sneezes, we say, that's right, what for? Who knows? We just do it. And by the way, if you're in the South, and you want to tell somebody you really don't like them that much, you say, God bless you, girl, which means I hate your guts. It really does. I mean, when they say it like that, God bless you, honey. That just means you suck. I, I don't know how else to say it, but that's, that's what they've done. They've taken this thing about blessing and they've, they've squeezed it out to mean something else. And so what I want us to do over the next few weeks as we gather together, as we walk through this great message from Jesus, let's change the way we see the word blessed. Let's change the way we use the word blessed. Let's start using the word the way Jesus does, that you are approved 
by God. You are approved of God. So when you say to somebody, bless you, you might as well look at them and say, you are approved by God. Isn't that great news for us? I think it's one of the greatest things that we can ever have going on in our world. So let's move right along. The, the first blessing is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? You have to understand this. It's not really a good thing to be poor in spirit. It wasn't in Jesus' day. You might try to think about this phrase differently. Let me give you some other thoughts about what this phrase could look like. Blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, people who know nothing about the Bible, people who can't make heads or tails of God, people who would throw up if you asked them to pray out loud, people who think of Jonah Ark as the wife of Noah, people who think the epistles are the wives of the apostles, people who think that spiritually they have nothing to offer. So Jesus is saying, God approves of those who are spiritually bankrupt. The key here is that the primary word is spiritually. Don't think for a minute that God thinks you're a zero or that you are bankrupt or that you are worthless and that you are meaningless because he thinks greatly of you. He esteems and admires you, but you have to come to a point somewhere in your life when you can admit that you really don't have a clue about the things of God, and now you're putting yourself into a good position to really step into the kingdom of God, which has now come from up there down here. That's what happens when we come to the place where we stop trying to let put on a pretense to everybody else that we are spiritual and we know it all, and we say to God, I am spiritually bankrupt and I need your help. Those who have put off all the facades of spiritual superiority and openly acknowledge that they are desperately spiritually bankrupt are now in the place to receive help from an outside source. And now, through Jesus, the possibility of life in the presence, the power, the favor, the love, the guidance, and the strength of God Almighty has come right down to them. Forgiveness, grace, strength, wisdom, healing, joy, and acceptance are now all available to you. It's not a matter of what the world has to say about you. It's what God thinks of you and who he calls you. That's what matters. Those poor in spirit are called blessed by Jesus. Not because they are in a meritous condition, but because precisely in spite of and in the midst of their ever so deplorable condition, the rule of the heaven has moved redemptively upon and through them by the grace of Christ. In their ever so deplorable condition, Jesus says, everyone is welcome. No one is perfect. We are the baskets of deplorables. We're nothing more. We're nothing better. What Jesus is doing is contrasting his beatitudes against what the world says is eligible for being blessed or approved. Who does the world, apart from God, say is eligible to be blessed? Humanistic culture, apart from God, always has its own list of those who's, who should be blessed. 
we might write the Beatitudes from a humanistic point of view. And this is what it would sound like. Blessed are the talented. Blessed are the CEOs, the VIPs, and the MBAs and the PhDs. Blessed are the slender. Blessed are those who went to college back east. And we all know what college back east means. Blessed are those who hustle. Blessed are the Facebook and the Twitter followed. Because that's what everybody out there thinks people are blessed. Then all the rest of the people who are not in that list might think, I'm not eligible for a blessed life. I'm missing out. But Jesus has come to say, the world has it wrong. I'm going to show you the right way to think about it. Everybody has to ask this question of your life. Now, you will base your life on something. Who's well off? Who's blessed? Who's living the dream? And Jesus has an answer to this question. Blessed is anyone who is alive in the kingdom of God. Blessed is anyone who is daily interacting with God in God's great venture of bringing up there down here. Anybody who has surrendered the burden of ego, anyone who no longer carries the weight of the world's outcomes on their shoulders, anyone who can even for a moment be truly grateful to God, anybody who finds their safety not in the illusion of avoiding danger because they have so much money or they have so many connections or they have so much power, but in the reality that nothing can separate them from the love of God. Anybody who has put God in charge of their life is blessed. To be in the kingdom means to be blessed no matter what else happens. Now get this. Here's what it is means for us. That your future is secured. Your present is redeemed. What Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes, these words of blessing, is that even people regarded as the most deprived, most insignificant in the world can now be blessed by living in the kingdom of God. Let's move on to our next blessing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Who is it that mourns? Who are the ones that are blessed because they mourn? Well, here, here think about this. Blessed are those whose spouses have deserted them. Blessed are those who have lost their job. Maybe it wasn't even their own fault. Blessed are you when you consider yourself a miserable failure at parenting. Blessed are you who want to be a parent but cannot. Blessed are the chronically depressed. Blessed are the clinically anxious. Why? Because mourning and anxiety are a good thing? No. Because now you, to you, Jesus has come along and said, you too, come into my kingdom. I will be with you. I will not let you be alone. You have a future. You may be at the end of your rope, but you have not reached the end of my rope. Blessed are the meek. Now understand, nobody in the world apart from God puts meek people on the good life fast track. There's no company that has the plaque in their wall that says meek employee of the month. Nobody lists meekness 
on their profile with Match.com. Hey, baby, you want a good time? I'm meek. None of the conditions, um, let me back up. What this is really saying is that blessed are the charisma challenged. Blessed are the inept self-promoters. For you will inherit the earth as up there comes down here. And so it goes on through the list of what Jesus is saying. None of the conditions listed in the Beatitudes are thought of by our world as tickets to the good life. And that's why Jesus mentions them. Blessed are the persecuted. The idea of the Beatitudes is no human condition excludes blessedness now that Jesus is in the equation. He himself was the great misfit, the great outcast, the great failure, so that all of the misfits, outcasts, losers, and failures, baskets of deplorables, would find their way to this great kingdom upside down called the kingdom of God. Now, in Jesus' community, we help others to see us as we really are. Here's the number one rule. If you're going to participate in the community of faith with Jesus, here's his number one rule. No pretending. We come just as we are to God and to one another to be loved and to be healed. Everybody's welcome. No one's perfect. Anything is possible. Jesus' best friend, John, put it this way in his letter to the church. If we say we have no sin, we've deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The radical truth found in John's words are that when we make up our minds that we know are no longer going to pretend and get real, God steps in, does things that could never have happened or seen or expected. It turns out that genuine, humble, costly, real-time, radical, public admission of my inadequacy, my inability to change, my inability to control my own life, to resist sin is a part of what God uses to change uh, possible, to make possible change, to make a healing community possible. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I really do want to live without pretending. But I will admit, I do pretend. I pretend so often to be nicer than I really am. Can I say that? <laughs> I, per, I pretend to be modest when I'm actually a recovering praiseaholic, just waiting for my next binge. I pretend to be brave when I'm really a coward. I get prickly, I withdraw, I envy, I covered other people's gifts and the success. But thank God I never had an issue with sexuality or lust or lying. <laughs> now look, I want you to understand this. There are churches where nobody has sinned for 20 years and everybody is dying. What kills the church is not sin. What kills the church is pretending there is no sin. So, we at Wind River Community Church, we are the church of the inadequate. 
we're going to practice together the celebration of inadequacy. Now, throughout history in the church, there's often been involved a confession of sin, but so often, even in churches, when they do that, it doesn't strike the same kind of a thought pattern as the word alcoholic strikes somebody who's an alcoholic. The recognition and public confession of inadequacy is itself an achievement to be celebrated. I want you to turn to your, the person sitting next to you the other way this time and say these words, without God, my life is a train wreck. All right, I just heard someone over here say, without, li- without God, your life is a train wreck. <laughs> Goodness. We celebrate inadequacy. We don't hide it. We don't pretend like we're something else. We don't pretend like we've been Christ followers long enough that we don't have to worry about this stuff anymore, that we can just rest on our spiritual laurels. There will be no pretending here. We want you to leave your masks outside in your car, come in, and be a basket of deplorables with the rest of us. Amen? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. When in Jesus' community we learn to see others the way God sees them, this is also what Jesus is doing in the Beatitudes. He's teaching People, how he sees them. When Paul finally came to this understanding, he put it like this in 2 Corinthians. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. So what's the flesh? That's just a system of evaluating everybody else. We evaluate everybody else through the flesh. It kind of looks like this. What do they own? What do they do? How do they look? Where do they live? Jesus brings the possibility of blessing now to the addicts, to the brutal, to the boastful, to the bigots, to the drug lords, to the pornographers. It is no wonder that people said this of Jesus. This man is a friend of sinners and he eats with them. Amen. I want to read a passage to you, and I need to read it straight as it comes out of the book. It's called The Divine conspiracy by Dallas Willard and it's it's just powerful so here it is from Dallas Willard if I as a recovering sinner myself accept Jesus's good news I can go to the mass murder and say you can be blessed in the kingdom of heaven there is forgiveness that knows no limits to the betrayer and the adulterer to the worshiper of Satan to those who rob the aged and the weak, to the cheat and to the liar, to the joy sucker and the vengeful. Blessed, 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 as they flee into the arms of the kingdom among us. These are God's grubby people. That's us, God's grubby people. Paul said it similarly in 1 Corinthians, and I'm reading it out of the message. Take a good look, friends at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many high society families. Isn't it obvious that God uh, deliberately chose men and women 
that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses and chooses these nobodies to expose the hollow pretentiousness of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, clear slate and fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have a saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. That's who we are. We are the inept. We are the fellowship of deplorables. We are the celebration of the inadequate. But that's not all we are. You may have noticed that Matthew says there are two groups listening to Jesus' talk at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. Here's what he says. I'll read it again. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. In other words, there are the crowds. He saw the crowds. And there are the disciples. The disciples came to him. The crowds are the people who are interested in Jesus. They'd like his help uh, with their problems. They admire his ideas. The disciples, though, are the people who used to be a part of the crowd but have now committed themselves to following whatever Jesus, wherever Jesus goes and doing whatever Jesus says. The disciples are just as deplorable, just as needy, just as poor in spirit. But here's what they have said. I must have what this man offers, so I will do whatever it takes. I will learn whatever he teaches. This is the greatest opportunity I have ever had. If getting in on this means I miss everything in life, I will do that with joy. And they become his students, his apprentices. Every once in a while, Somebody leaves the crowd and becomes a disciple. Somebody stops admiring and starts following. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Approved, approved, approved by God. And that could be you. That's the journey we're on. No journey is like it in the world. As Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit the spiritually bankrupt, the spiritually inept, the inadequate. Those are the ones who know the kingdom of heaven because up there has come down here so we can take what is down here up there. Amen? Father, we are so thankful this morning that you looked and you saw that we needed heaven to come down here so that we could take the mess that's down here and bring it up there to your throne room. I am so thankful today, God, that you called me out of my mess and you keep calling me out of my mess and that my mess doesn't make you turn your, your head away from me, but that you love me in my mess, but you want to take me out of it. And so I pray this morning, along with the rest of my brother, brothers and sisters, who are also deplorables like me, that as we walk with you, Jesus, as we journey through these, these beatitudes, that you would impart to us the wisdom of Jesus, that we would live our lives differently because of the teaching of Jesus. As we learn at his feet, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so we commit all of this to you in the great name of Jesus. Amen. I just want to encourage you this morning that if you have been taking time and you have been pretending, if you feel like you have to prove something, if you feel like you are not, that you're, you're adequate, and all of a sudden God's saying to you, you're inadequate, you need to come and you need to surrender all that stuff to me, the front's open for prayer. And we have elders who will come and pray with you. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart and move you as He would.